into the Mothlight. Into the Moth Light. Hello and welcome to Into the Moth Light, a podcast dedicated to artists' moving image, experimental film and festivals, and installation art. Today I'm sitting in our little studio space at Moth Light HQ, somewhere in the Scottish countryside. It's the day before the 2018 edition of the Alchemy Film and Moving Image Festival. And it was through Alchemy that I met the people we're talking to for this podcast. I met Andrew and Caitlin Webb-Ellis first as volunteers at the festival, then again over the last couple of years as they attended with new moving image installation works. Gareth Evans, who's the film curator at the Whitechapel Gallery in London, said they are amongst the most exciting young artists and filmmakers he has encountered in the last few years. About their work, Caitlin and Andrew talk about weaving together the images, chance encounters, stories and sounds of their personal experience into work that seeks to address what it is to be human in these strange times and the boundaries between self and other. We'll add images and links about Web Ellis on our Twitter page at The Mothlight Pod. And remember, you can email your questions and comments to Mothlight podcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at Mothlight Podcast. I wanted to talk to them about their creative processes, how they translate ideas into moving images, the importance of research and the new work inheritors. I started by asking them how they became interested in the moving image as we appreciate it. Into the Mothlight for me, it was quite young, actually, when I was 15 and I'd always been into art and painting and at school it was just my obsession. But my dad, for his work, had got a video camera and we were on a family holiday in Cornwall where it was just raining and raining and he just said, why don't you take this camera, have a play around and, you know, see what you'll do. And from that moment on, I was just yeah obsessed and I didn't want to do anything else so yeah that was where it all began for me. For me it was uh, I had a really strong uh, interest with uh, the still image really at first photography and uh, coming from Canada it was always uh, much more viewed as a bit of a hobby you know I didn't really see it any uh, way to yeah make a profession out of it really but uh, coming to England I uh, discovered photography was a BA course I was able to go and study really and I just uh, yeah threw myself into into my university studies really with uh, the Arts University down in Bournemouth and um, from there you know Caitlin was very much more interested in the moving image and uh, we started kind of assisting each other through that that practice really and um, yeah it kind of just transformed into yeah becoming a lot more interested in in working with the moving image really so it was kind of the second year of photography that uh, we really uh, set ourselves a, a, a big challenge by going out and uh, trying to create a documentary film was our first piece of work we collaborated on really so because that's a question I wanted to ask you because you're you know you're, you've, you've collaborated for a long time so what was the initial um, contact and, and spark that you thought you'd like to actually work with with each other I think it was 
it it was we were just entangled in what each other was doing and all the ideas seemed to be coming from this entangled process to start with so it was kind of it wasn't even a decision really our work just merged and we started working a lot with with our bodies wasn't it it was kind of these feats of endurance that we'd do together and we were interested in just exploring that process wasn't it Mm -hmm. i mean yeah turning the camera on ourselves and again it was that uh that time we spent at university where we had so much support from our tutors when we when we started to work together that it was uh so uh fulfilling and enriching and into you know two minds meeting to uh to create these these bodies of work really which uh yeah we just we just not looked back really so it's been uh yeah quite a journey really yeah i think there was also we were learning about each other so in a kind of self obsessed way i guess we were just interested in finding out what's what's this relationship and where yeah what happens when two different points of view kind of come together so if if you were sort of collaborating from your university days how long was it before you produced something together that you were you know really proud of and happy to share with the with the outside world as a kind of web ellis piece of work yeah i think uh i think that would have been the final uh project we did at the university level really which was a uh, a documentary film where we followed uh britain's uh best ultra runner at the time uh and she was a female athlete named sharon gator so uh we had followed her for about two years and we and we wrestled with uh the story that we were trying to tell uh with with her uh, yeah with her sport and also her as a human really so uh, it was uh, when we approached our tutors and said, look, this is what we want to do and we'd like to work together on it. And, uh, you know, they were fully supportive and, and, you know, got us in touch with the documentary lecture at the uh, university at the time. And she welcomed us into her sessions. And uh, it was just um, probably the first major project that we developed together, really, and uh, and uh, produced. And we were, uh, yeah, quite quite uh, pleased with, with the results. Really. It ended up being a 44-minute uh documentary film we were really uh, inspired with uh, a lot of Werner Herzog's work at the time still are and uh yeah we felt you know that film uh went on to screen at like Leeds International Film Festival really so we felt it was uh something to kind of be proud of really for uh, young graduates to uh, kind of leave leave the uh, safety net of the university and uh, yeah throw yourself into the film festival world so it was uh, a pretty big step really we felt Don't ever feel like you're alone. Because you're not. You're not. I'm here for you. I care for you a whole lot. There we go. I want to talk to you about Parlour Walls. So you presented that at the Alchemy Film Festival last year. Um, it was a it was a stunning piece of work and. 
Ray Bradbury's novel, Fahrenheit 451, so that was the starting point, and you said you wanted to explore alienation in the digital age and the strangeness of contemporary human experience. So how do you start to build those themes um, of a book like Fahrenheit 451 and those ideas into a moving image installation? Our process is very much about gathering and sifting, and it starts almost like yeah we, we're building outwards we're constantly getting snippets of things from here and there and our life experiences feed in massively so we just gather loads and loads of material and it might even be objects or we just feel it's all related to something i think the book the book came first we were, knew that that story was key and then around that we just gathered anything that felt related and and then it starts to narrow down again. So a process of sifting through and ending up with the few pieces that feel they really connect. Yeah, and it was uh, an astounding uh, novel just in the sense that it was written in uh, the early 50s and it was talking about a future that wasn't, uh, well, it was a dreamed of future by Ray Bradbury himself. So he had his protagonist, Guy Montag, you know, go through, uh, you know, life challenging events where he, you know, just wants to escape from the life that he had built for himself, really. And uh, I guess in a way we felt, you know, we stumbled across this uh, this amazing YouTube phenomenon called uh, ASMR. And it was, um, yeah, very much about kind of trying to find a new way to connect, really. So it was, uh, yeah, we felt a good parallel between between uh, the, this this idea of escapism and, and how people are, are living now, really, so. Yeah, my sister was actually, at the time she was li living in a new city and she didn't really know anyone in a new job and she was listening to these videos, which I don't know if many people will know what ASMR is, but it's um, a video people are creating videos there's thousands of them on youtube and thousands of viewers and they're designed to relax and comfort the viewer and allow them to basically go to sleep but to distract them from and comfort them from the challenges of everyday life and they're really characterized by tender eye contact and often there's a lot of touching like touching of the screen and you listen to them with headphones they're binaurally recorded so it sounds very intimate and it, it felt like just coming across these, these videos and seeing how much they were helping people but also the demand really said something about our time and our need for connection and actually touch and then when you presented the the piece and i know it showed at alchemy and a, and a number of other places it, you you did manage to create quite an intimate setting for people to enjoy that piece so do you want to explain a little bit about the thought process and how you decided on a, a three screen installation with the comfy chairs um and that experience to kind of try and relate some of those ideas yeah, well that was that andrew was the he was really into that idea from the very beginning weren't you so i'll let you yeah well, that was uh, something that jumped out of the uh, the literature right away it was uh in parlor wall in um the fahrenheit 451 uh, these futuristic houses uh, literally had uh, television screens for walls, really, and uh, the uh, the protagonist was trying to uh, save up to get his fourth television wall, really, and uh, 
through that process, we just kind of felt how, you know, the screens are so dominant in our life nowadays, really. And we thought to recreate uh, a vision of, of perhaps how a parlor would have been in Ray Bradbury's uh, futuristic house, really. So uh, we uh, love working with projection and uh, we felt to, yeah, to be able to create that space um, would be quite challenging, but also uh, a really interesting way to experience the work, really. And uh, it was quite um, a revealing moment when it was kind of, you know, you create the film on a flat screen and everything's kind of just in front of you and, and you look at it, you know, straight on, really. So when we actually set it up the first time, a lot of uh, clips had to be a bit re-edited, really, to uh, to make it work in the uh, the actual square space that we created, really. So it was quite a, an interesting uh, process to go through and... Uh, yeah, to take it from the literature into into reality, really. So, into the moth light, into the moth light. A lot of your work features performance in one way or another, including um, collaborations with dance artists. So how do, they, how do you go about thinking about the role that you will play in your own work and, and embracing the ideas of other artists? Like we mentioned earlier, from the very beginning, it was about a kind of process of entanglement and gathering and sifting and different points of view coming together to make something new. And I think that working with other artists is really a natural part of that and something that we constantly kind of yearn to do and it's been such a privilege in this last project to be able to actually work with some artists that we really admire and a composer and writer and have some funding to pay them because in the past it's we and we love working with friends and family as well it's not just other professionals but like it is very uh, a natural part of the process. Yeah, and also uh, trusting, you know, uh, like we, we really trusted the artists to um, to be engaged in, in the work that we were making, really. And, um, you know, just through conversations and sharing research and, and early clips, you know, to get their inspiration and feedback and, and say, just, just run with it. You know, you are an artist yourself. And how, how do you respond to these images, these sounds and... And uh, yeah, having that collaborative conversations and and then, you know, coming to locations and, and filming is always, you know, the exciting bit when, you know, it's, it's yeah, it all unravels really, so. It feels quite risky. And I, th- <laughs> I think that really, it provides an energy. And I think w- we, yeah, we always worked with ourselves at first, almost as a stand-in. Mm. So we didn't really have other people to work with, but. It, there was an interest in us as as individuals and in each other, mm. but I think that's turned outwards a lot more the f- kind of further we've gone along. The last time that we sat down together, um, you were getting quite high praise from the artist and filmmaker Andrew Cotting. So how does that make you feel? And tell me about how he's been supporting you recently. I think... Yeah, it makes us well. It makes me feel really. It it's incredible actually to feel like you get recognition from someone who you admired, and and to go from 
we encountered his work for the first time at Alchemy a couple of years before and it opened a, it really opened a, a door didn't it to mm. a different way of working or it was quite reassuring that actually there are people out there kind of living in some way a normal life and making work out of their own experiences and snippets here and there and like he says himself you reverse engineer the meaning which I think is a very interesting idea and something that resonates a lot with us mm. so to then a couple of years down the line to have him really engaged and really seeming yeah very interested in what we're doing is incredible and more than we could have thought really isn't it yeah and it was uh we had a, a really good uh, opportunity to get a bit of mentoring with him with our past project inheritors so we were uh, invited down to hastings and and spent the night uh yeah just talking all things amazing with uh with his work and our work and uh and we have invited him to uh, host uh, one of his uh, artist salons really for the opening of inheritors at Siobhan Davies dance in London and uh, and he yeah came and delivered an amazing evening's uh, performance really so it was uh, yeah uh, uh, a young healthy relationship that's uh, is kind of emerged from from these very first encounters in in Hoik and at the Alchemy Film Festival so it's um, yeah been quite inspiring really to um, have another artist filmmaker be uh, inspired with with what we create really so we feel uh, pretty humbled really to uh, yeah find uh, that sort of ad admiration really into the moth light into the moth light podcast Daughter, I can only give you these unmarked things. A stone lined with quartz, the stream over gravel, beak, and berry, and bark. Everywhere, trackless, let's talk about inheritors then so as you mentioned uh, a year-long residency and commission with the Siobhan Davis dance in London so this was your a new audiovisual installation at the studios March to April this year before we get into the joy of that work is filmmakers working on film installation and performance how much time and what is the process to to gain commissions like this uh, to allow you to, to work and, and live the way that you do? Well, I, th I think there's definitely no recipe that we have found yet to kind of ensure commissions like that. But we've just been very lucky, really, with... I think a lot of it stems from Alchemy Film Festival, really, and the people that we've met there, and kind of having a nurturing 
slow relationships that on a friendly basis that may never come to anything but through those relationships a lot of the time um well gareth evans was really really generous and helpful and he has introduced us to a few other people including siobhan davies so when we were at whitstable we were introduced to siobhan davies and also her amazing work and she was a fan of what we're doing and i think it's yeah it's a kind of chain reaction thing isn't it yeah definitely and, and nurturing relationships really you know like, like caitlin mentioned it's we, we prefer to kind of take a back step instead of you know uh, 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 an aggressive kind of way to meet and and uh communicate with curators it's uh it's uh always seems a bit more natural to yeah just just concentrate fully on making the work and and see what comes after the fact that you have something to show really it's uh it's uh, probably the best advice we have ever had as young artist filmmakers was you know you just just have to really focus on creating a body of work you know it's uh and and see where it will take you really because um yeah until you have something to show <laughs> uh it's going to be hard to find someone who's going to give you any interest really so i think we spent a long time actually um at first we'd apply we'd send out a zillion applications which i don't think was a bad thing it really can push you forward but we'd apply for all sorts and try and uh, force our work to fit the briefs that they were asking for and i think we realized at a certain point that that was not really going to be <laughs> it wasn't working out for us and just to focus on making the work and trying to yeah just be present and friendly mm. when and there are people around and it's obviously worked with this commission then so it's the the work is set on the motorways of britain and europe and north america and it takes a look at that landscape as a space from which to question deeply held myths relating to human beings and evolution unpack that idea for me then Tell me about the piece and the thought process leading up to it. The commission was, we were introduced to the organisation by Lauren Wright, who's yeah, a wonderful programme director there at Siobhan Davies. And we were invited to engage with the organisation for a period of about a year. And that could take any form that we wanted, really. So it ended up with us doing over 50 hours of somatic dance practice so that was the primary form of research for the work which was completely new to us in a way that that research would take a physical form and I think it it really did provoke a different kind of response and and yeah yeah it meant a lot of uh you know going up and down the the motorway from our studio in Scarborough uh, where we have uh, a studio space with Crescent Arts there and, uh, and to Siobhan Davies Dance in London. And um, I think spending so much time on the motorway, you you kind of get a, a pretty, yeah, privileged way of kind of seeing the world around you, really, and, and kind of making sense of, you know, these manufactured landscapes that, you know, we just accept as, uh, as the conventional mode of, of transport. So um, we felt that, you know, this mode of transport is, is very rooted in in our human psyche at the moment really you know it's how we 
experience travel that's how we experience uh place really so uh kind of setting the film you know we we yeah decided to set the film in this uh new coach bus that we bought really and um it was a great vessel to look out onto the world really so um yeah it was yeah well because we've been living in a bus for about seven years now so we don't have any other static home and we just move around and live on the public highway really so i think in a way this work that actually directly involved the vehicle and the motorway has been kind of making itself in our heads for a while and not knowing what form it would take but also those early teenage experiences of traveling in the car or for you know Andrew had long journeys on the school bus mm. and we both spoke a lot about listening to music in the Walkman and just a way of looking and a way of thinking about yeah life and seeing the landscape move by and then working with our niece who's 13 it felt like a yeah a very a natural thing to want to work with a teenager at that stage where you're really still uncertain and questioning and open and looking at periods of transition and evolution through the eyes of a teenager mm. in a state of transition herself. The piece for me, so it, 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 it builds to quite a crescendo towards the, the end of the piece um, and then kind of goes to a kind of a, a, a gentle imagery of, of, of traffic on a motorway and presented on the three screens, which then loops back and ties in with the start of the piece. So there's a kind of a circular nature to the work as well, which is that conscious decision yes. to think of it like that? We were very interested in, in time, the passing of time and cycles. So from the, the life of an individual to the huge sweep of time and evolution and then just trying to hold all that within the timeline of a day. That I think that gave us a structure and it's it's often useful to have something like that to hang it on because like with Paula Walls we mentioned, we knew it was going to be this living room scenario and I think that the timeline of the day really gave us a, a structure. To, a backbone yeah. to the piece really and, and we knew... There's going to be no beginning of this journey and no end. So it, it was just this seamless loop of, of moving through time where you didn't necessarily, as the audience member, know where you were headed because there was no destination. So it, it was kind of a different take on a road movie, really, because you're usually kind of starting somewhere, going with a protagonist and arriving at a final destination, whereas we felt, you know, you were there. You didn't have to worry about arriving. You were already in a space so it was um yeah kind of uh just some guidelines that we kind of set ourselves and and felt you know to kind of um yeah hold on to as we went through and made the work did you know how you wanted to present the work or at what point did you see it as an installation and in, in the, the way that we've been able to experience it now I think, well, we we started moving in, in these dance classes or movement classes at Siobhan Davies in this huge, incredible roof studio in their beautiful building down in London. And we knew there was a chance for us to potentially show work in there. 
and on a scale that we've never been able to create work for before and we wanted it to be very physical and I, I think as soon as we knew that there was a chance for that and then working with these images of huge lorries moving kind of crossing through the space and the constant movement of the motorway we were I think it was quite early on that we thought yes let's let's try and use this space let's create something kind mm. of huge and and try something new I think yeah well rising to the challenge really it was uh it was like Helen set up to us where we presented the work in in that building really and um as soon as as soon as we heard that we we'd have an option to use the rooftop studio we just felt well you know this this is probably the best opportunity we've had to show in a space on on such a scale so let's uh let's you know grab the bull by the horns and and try and create a piece of work that is going to sit in that space and and hold an audience really so and um it was interesting in the in the discussions after the work went into that space how the dance studio is is more a space of showing work in progress really so i think it was um really nice uh for uh, uh you know a very much a dance audience to come and see a finished piece of work in in this space really so it was uh, and something a bit different instead of um moving bodies we had you know these uh massive projection screens and and we also had these coach windows um, suspended from the ceilings as well, so it was uh, yeah quite a quite a, a full exhibition really, which was nice. Yeah, through the research, there were lots of complex themes that came up, and we were interested in posthumanism and read a lot. But despite all that, what really came strongly through in the end, I think, was something quite simple about human bodies moving through space which I think makes sense considering the, all the hours that we did of the physical research led to yeah some, something very much about moving and and the body and mm. the bodies of the vehicles as well which have faces Into the Moth Light I was interested in what you said about the dance studio being a place for a work in progress. So the the, you know, the this piece was stacked full of you know delicious ideas and imagery and all kinds of research that's been gone before you've even picked up a camera. So at, at what point do you consider a, a work finished rather than a work in progress? How do you draw a line and say, okay, this is this is ready now? Well, deadlines always help with that, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but about finished, I don't know, because we tweaked, even mm. through the showing down there, we tweaked it quite a few times and mm. we keep going up there and physically experiencing it at that scale and then coming back and doing a little tweak or mm. maybe adding or taking away an image. And we're interested in that process, but I think perhaps it it's almost it's not exactly that we say any work is finished but that we move we move on or yeah well the the ideas and um uh images kind of culminate in in a in a point really and uh and you kind of feel you get to to a place with the images you've been working with where it, it's it's ready to present and i'm ready to hear some feedback from this and then it's it's a great way to kind of you know 
carry the work forward as well. You know, it, it's um, you know the feedback we've had from the work that we presented was was really positive, but it also you know leaves much room for improvement as well. So it's um, it's it's just one of those scenarios, like I say, where you're working to a deadline. Most of the case when you when you've been commissioned and um, and you feel that you know as an artist you have to deliver a, f a finished piece of work really in in one sense but it's also you know there's so many ideas like Caitlin mentioned that we were looking into that you know it's it's only the tip of the iceberg really in in the grander scheme of things but it's ideas you know shift and flow from from one project to another like Parlor Walls themes you know were just literally brought brought through into this whole research process really and and I guess that's again coming back to this idea of a body of work you know you can make 15 films all about the same themes and ideas and, and they could be 15 completely different films that um, maybe only you as an artist can place together <laughs> but you know nonetheless it's um, yeah a body of work really so yeah and I think when we <laughs> we yeah through the process of working with Siobhan Davies more questions and more a desire to research more has come through that and that yeah it's kind of thrown up more questions than it's answered and probably the next piece of work that we make will be relating to all this time spent at Siobhan Davies and then after that it could be yeah like you're almost responding to the project that came before a lot of the time. Here's one question that I had ask all the artists that I'm talking to so as artists I think we often feel crippled by self-doubt. So how, how do you cope with that? And does working as a partnership help with that somehow? Yeah, <laughs> I think working together is a huge help with that. And mm. a lot of the time we it's one of us that kind of goes down while the other one holds firm and tries to keep that mm. belief going. It's rare that we both get that doubt at the same time, but it definitely there are definitely times where you you maybe get a setback or something happens not in the way that you'd hoped, and yeah, moments of of questioning everything really. But I think also just remembering how far we've come. Mm. We celebrate the small things, so any small good thing that happens, we make a point of like doing something to mark it, like just a little mini celebration and being happy for that and mm. I, I think that helps it helps to keep the belief and to look back and remember the the times when people have said great things and we have a guest book um that we put outside our installations and Andrew calls it the little pick-me-up and you can look back through at these comments that people have put which is so touching and think it does do something like some of the work we've made has mm clearly resonated with people and that's all you can hope for yeah and i think um I, you know for the listeners we were lovers before we were collaborative filmmakers really so i think you know just just having a really strong love for each other and also a, a strong very strong sense of communication you know we can you know throw out the wildest ideas and not be afraid of of being shut down or or you know you know encouraging each other along and, and also convincing each other that, you know, this is a good idea and this is why we have to pursue it. And and then, you know, winning over the support from 
your lover is uh yeah very challenging sometimes but it's also very a rewarding process because you know sometimes we make each other flip you know it's it's the fact of like you know okay well i've convinced caitlin <laughs> that yeah this is a good idea but in the meantime she's convinced me through this process of communication that oh well maybe it's not such a good idea so then all of a sudden caitlin has to start convincing me again that no we should pursue that that was a good idea so it's um yeah i think communication is probably our ace of spades you know we um yeah ha have a, a a very good sense of trust and and um yeah we put that to good use I think also just trying to remind ourselves that there's no place to get, like we're not racing towards some crazy finish line. And I think it's, you know, there's a lot of the time an idea of competition or where's someone else at or these milestones that you are supposed to meet as an artist or something and that you're actually... You have a life to live as well, and why do you make these films? It's not just to gain recognition or race towards some huge goal. It's a process of living your life, and I think, yeah, having just remembering that mm. is is nice because it's easy to get caught up in the idea of the competitiveness of it, which is just horrible. Mm. Well, it's been an honour to talk to you both today. I, I love your work and I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for coming into the Mothlight. Oh, perfect. Thank you so, so much for having us. It's, yeah, so amazing to chat to you. and Yes, best of luck with your future adventures. Into the Mothlight is a Charles S. Bravo production. You can follow us on Twitter at the Mothlight Pod. Email your questions and comments to mothlightpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at Mothlight Podcast. Like us, rate and review us wherever you find your podcasts. This podcast isn't sponsored by anyone. Perhaps you can do something about that. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.